was the bottom of the ninth, with McGuire up at bat. Feeling so at home in my giant ace cap. I was eight years old, wearing gold and green. From my head to my toes, rap game Billy Bean. She was my first kiss, but I don't think it counts. On the kindergarten trip to the Oakland Firehouse. Sitting in the stands with her family. With the baseball glove her dad handed me. As the season unfolded, we held our breath. Watching Ricky Henderson, the quickest runner in the West. Hello, and welcome to the podcast Jokestrap with Wes Hoffman. Here, Wes will discuss two of his favorite things, which are sports and stand-up comedy. Hence the name Jokestrap. If you like this episode, please subscribe to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or iTunes, or wherever podcasts are available. With that being said, please enjoy this episode of Jokestrap. Hello, everybody, and welcome. It is episode number 93. Wes Hoffman, Jokestrap here. Thank you very much for listening, for tuning in. Good to have you here. Um, How's everyone doing? Awesome. Today's uh, recording date is May 22nd, 2021, um, and uh, as of today, the Golden State Warriors run at the playoffs is over, even though technically, in my mind, they made the playoffs. But in basketball, these wild card games or whatever, these play-in tournament games that they call them, didn't count as part of the playoffs, which is stupid, because if you make a wild card game, in the Major League Baseball or in the NFL or any other sport, they consider the wild card games playoffs, which is what these playing games were. But when they were doing the playing games, they technically advertised them as playing tournament. And then they said the playoffs start Saturday, May 22nd. So, yes, the NBA playoffs resume today after the playing games on May 22nd. But technically, those wild card games were. Playoff games. Come on. Playing games were were, were playoff games. Or, yeah, the playing games were playoff games. But, uh, no need to differentiate between the two. Will the play-in games resume past this year, 2021? I sure as hell hope not. I thought the whole idea was stupid to play a 72-game season this year and uh, have your season come down to just one or two games. And then, you know, that's it. I thought that was dumb. You don't get to play a full series like you normally would. Uh, the Warriors were the eighth seed, so they would have played Utah um, in a regular season because Utah got the first seed in the Western Conference, so they would have had their normal series. But no, with this playing game system, the Warriors had to play the Lakers, who were the seventh seed, lost to them. Then they had to play the Memphis Grizzlies, who were the ninth seed and had beaten the Spurs in their playing game. And what's stupid is the Warriors beat Memphis in the final game of the season to get that eight seed. So looking back on it, you're like, would it have made a difference if they had, if they had lost that final game of the season to the to the um, to Memphis instead, and had gone in as the ninth seed? That way they would have played the Spurs and then potentially played Memphis again after that. I don't know, or the Lakers. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Who knows? We don't know. Anyway, uh, the whole thing was weird. Um, I did watch Wednesday's game against the Lakers. It was fun. Uh, Warriors lost by three. I did not watch Friday's game because I had exerted too much energy watching the Wednesday game, and the Warriors came up short, and I didn't want to go through that again yesterday on the 21st when they played Memphis, and they ended up losing to Memphis in overtime. So, anyway, screw it. Next year for the Warriors, hopefully... Hopefully a full 82-game season. Hopefully 
full capacity in the stands. Hopefully, you know, everything's back to the way it was pre-pandemic. Hopefully, no playing games. Hopefully, those don't stick around. I know some fans are like, oh, I loved it. It was great. Ah. Shut up. Just shut up. We don't need basketball to last until freaking July. We don't need, you know, more games. I don't know. It seems like a long, long season. It seems like once you stop playing, you start playing again. It doesn't seem like there's much time in between for um, the NBA. Anyway, uh, how's everybody's day going? Okay, great. Um, yeah. Uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Okay, Major League Baseball, where are we at? Um, we got some two Bay Area teams that are looking pretty good right now uh, in the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's, um, both doing well. Um, Scott Casimir getting his first start in the majors since 2016 for the San Francisco Giants today. Who saw that coming? Hello, 37-year-old Scott Casimir. Um, you love to see it. You love to see it. Um, you know, if Casimir had just stayed healthy his entire career, um, you know, he had a legit shot at being a Hall of Famer. Um, he's made a few comeback attempts. Um, this is uh, one of his most recent ones, of course. And now he's going to be back in the majors with the Giants, um, filling in for Logan Webb, who is on the IL currently for the Giants. But taking a look at Casimir's career, um, he was drafted by the New York Mets in the first round. Um, 15th overall in the 2002 MLB Amateur Draft. Um, he reached the majors in 2004 at the age of 20. Um, and uh, he had his full, first full season in 2005, age 21. Finished ninth in Rookie of the Year voting. 2006, he was an All-Star. 2008, he was an All-Star. This is with Tampa Bay as the Mets and did trade him to Tampa Bay before he made the majors. Um, then he had this string uh, where he went from Tampa Bay to the Angels, kind of fell downhill with the Angels from 2009 to 2010 uh, and 2011. Uh, got hurt, was out of baseball, made a comeback, came back and pitched with the Indians in 2013 at the age of 29. Signed with the Oakland A's in 2014, became an all-star with the A's. Uh, 15 and 9. Uh, halfway through the 2015 season with the A's, he got traded to Houston. And then 2016 was the last time he was in the majors with the Los Angeles Dodgers, had a 10 and 6 record that year. So he's been, you know, he hasn't been the most consistent pitcher, but when he was healthy, he's been good. He has 1,608 career strikeouts over the course of uh, 1,689 and two-thirds innings. So almost as almost a strikeout an inning, but not quite. Um, back when he first started, he was quite the strikeout pitcher. Um, 2007, he had 239 strikeouts in 206 innings. So that was his best year strikeout-wise. led the league. Um, and uh, Overall, in his 12 years in the majors, he's had 108 wins and 96 losses. So yeah, uh, never, never been able to get a good stretch together though, where he's been healthy, and that's the unfortunate part for him. But uh, kudos to him for 
hanging around, hanging tough, wanting to still pitch at the age of 37. That's uh, a pretty cool story. Um, I enjoyed watching him pitch when he was at the A's. Uh, and yeah, so anyway, uh, be interesting to see how he does today for the Giants, uh, going up against their rival, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that's just a cool story. Uh, a lot of talk recently going on in baseball uh, with Tony La Russa and the White Sox. Uh, there is this whole thing where the White Sox are blowing out the Minnesota Twins, and then the Minnesota Twins brought in a position player to pitch. Uh, what's his name? Castellillo. Uh, their position player, they brought him in to pitch. And uh, it's the third time this guy's pitched this year. He just lobs him up to the plate, 47 miles per hour. Yerman Mercedes, 28-year-old rookie, was up for the White Sox in this blowout. And he came up to bat and had a 3-0 count on him. Uh, Castellillo throws up and floats up another ball. And... Uh, Another 47-mile-per-hour pitch, and Mercedes crushes it over the fence for a home run. Tony La Russa, the manager of the White Sox, says he didn't like it, says Yerman Mercedes missed a sign to take the ball, and that we sh the White Sox shouldn't be doing that, and shouldn't be swinging, and shouldn't be hitting home runs when they have a lead that big. And all the White Sox players are like, good on you, Yerman, way to go, you're the bomb, <laughs> way to do that. Pitchers around the league are like, if we're 3-0, and that's our fault. Uh, also, if you're bringing in a position player to pitch, you're basically giving it up. Also, it's a strategy thing by the other team to bring in the position player. If you're bringing in a position player to pitch, it means you're trying to save a pitcher for the next game. So why should you go easy on the position player as a hitter? You should make it tougher so they have to bring in someone else to pitch. You know, think strategy towards the next game. So, yeah. Uh, Tony Roos is old school. Um, and he basically apologized for his team, even though his team felt no remorse for what they did, which I don't think they should. Uh, the next day, a guy on the Twins throws behind Yerman Mercedes, um, sort of a retaliation thing, and then the home plate umpire decides to eject the pitcher and the manager, and, uh, anyway, that whole thing was weird. And then Tony LaRusso says after the game, he doesn't have any problem with what the Twins did. So that not sticking up for your, for your team is kind of weird. I don't know if Tony LaRusso is going to make it through the whole year. The weird thing is the White Sox are in first place. It's not really weird. They're a great team, but it just doesn't help in getting LaRusso out there, out of there any quicker if the White Sox keep playing well with him being manager. Uh, I just don't think he, I think he doesn't, uh, what do you call it? Um, he doesn't have good chemistry with his players. The manager does not. Um, since then, there's been a, another position player or two that have pitched and had home runs hitting off them. And this only happened like a few days ago. So, um, and there's been no beefs about it. So, I don't know. It's weird, man. I, uh, I'm i kind of thinking, I don't know, this isn't something that I would normally want, but 
I think that if you're to a point where you're going to use a position player to pitch in a game, that you should, as a team, as the manager, have an option to just say, hey, let's call it. We'll, we'll, we'll lose the game. Let's just call this an L and we don't need to play anymore. So effectively, you have to be losing by at least 10 runs. So essentially a 10-run rule, but I think it should be optional because there are some teams that don't want to give up that would like to stay in the fight, so to speak, and possibly come back in a game. So I think if it's the sixth inning or later and you're down by 10 runs, you can elect to say, hey, that's it. We're going to take the loss. But I don't think it should be just that. I think there should be some kind of other other factor that plays in. You don't just take the loss, since you're probably going to lose a game anyway if you're bringing in position player pitch. You should also like forfeit a roster spot for the next game. I think I think that I think that could be I think that would work. Like, hey, we're gonna take the loss today because we don't want to use anybody else. But we're gonna forfeit a roster spot tomorrow, thus making it tougher for our decisions today. I, I like that. I just I just thought of that. Forfeit a roster spot for the next game. So you're trying to save players, but hey, tomorrow, hey, you, you chose to, you know, throw in the towel this game. Tomorrow's not going to be any easier um, or for the next game. I, I like that rule. I say implement something like that, an optional 10-run rule. Not required because some teams, you know, they're going to make a, a, a comeback in these kind of games. It happens. Coors Field, ballpark at Arlington. Cincinnati, uh, those ballparks, home, homer friendly, hitting friendly, it can happen. So that that would be my rule to kind of implement. Since we're changing all the shit in baseball already, that that's one I would I would uh, suggest to majors to baseball. Um, in addition to this whole position player pitching and the ten run rule and all this crap, um, there's uh, talks about all the strikeouts happening in the majors and uh, all the um, no-hitters. Uh, no-hitters are going rampant this year. There's been like six of them. Uh, we got John Means has a no-hitter. Carlos Rondon got a no-hitter. Uh, Joe Musgrove got a no-hitter. Uh, uh, who else has a no-hitter? Uh, Spencer Turnbull. Uh, the Tigers, the freaking Tigers got a no-hitter. Uh Corey Kluber, the Yankees got a no hitter. Um, there's one I'm missing here. Uh, I want to remember them all because there's been so many. Uh, Madison Bumgarner had a seven inning no hitter, but that didn't count as a no hitter because MLB is weird and saying it doesn't count because seven innings doesn't count, even though it was a rule. Oh, Wade Miley of the Reds was the other no hitter. Now, the funny thing is. Two of these no-hitters have been against the Rangers. Two of these no-hitters have been, been against Cleveland. And two of these no-hitters have been against the Mariners. So that's the weird thing. Three teams got no-hits two times each. 
But the uh, the no hitter is becoming less of a novelty to a lot of people, to a lot of fans, myself included. Um, where I used to root for no hitters late in games, I'm sort of rooting against them. Batting averages are down league wide. Uh, is it because the balls were deadened a little bit? I don't know. Um, uh, uh, MLB did say the balls were deadened a little bit this year to kind of decrease the amount of home runs that were being hit. But in the process of changing the baseballs, the seams apparently are more um, prudent on the ball, allowing the pitchers to get better grip on the ball. And we all know a lot of pitchers are using fine tar, so the Playing field isn't really even. You've got to think there's some honest pitchers out there that aren't using pine tar. And I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I don't know how you police the pine tar stuff. Um, but the averages for hitters are definitely going down. It's it's hard to find a 300 average anymore. Let's see who the, the leading uh, averages right now are in the MLB. And it's still relatively early. We're a quarter through the season. So you... Uh, normally, you would have uh, um, a good amount of, uh, what do you call it, a good amount of 300 hitters still at this point in the season. And uh, let's just see here. Do, 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 do. Stat leaders in 2021. Okay. This is for all of Major League Baseball, for those who... Um, so there's 21 people, or looks like 22 players with the 300 average or higher at this point in the season, and that's less than one per team, which is kind of sad because you you usually like you usually see like a one 300 hitter at least per team. Um, I know the A's don't have a 300 hitter on their team. Let's see. Jesse Winker has the best average right now overall, 356. Sherman Mercedes, who's, who's torn it, tearing it up for the White Sox, as I mentioned, uh, batting 354. They have him listed as a catcher. Xander Bogarts batting 345. Castellanos for the Reds, 342. Adam Frazier for Pittsburgh, 339. Vladdy Jr., 338. J.D. Martinez, 335. Mike Trout, 333. Also on the injured list now. That sucks. Uh, Yuli Gurriel for Houston, 331. Jordan Alvarez for Houston, 329. Jared Walsh, 327. Trey Turner for Washington, 317. Jake Cronenworth, 314. Uh, August Bregman of Houston, 313. Austin Riley, 310. Michael Brantley of Houston, 310. So Houston's got a lot of 300 hitters. So they're still good. Chris Bryant, Chicago, 308. Jose Altuve, Houston, 308. Aaron Judge, New York, 307. Trent Grisham, San Diego, 301. Eric Hosmer, San Diego, 300. Joey Wendell, Tampa Bay, 300. And those are the 300 or higher hitters at this point in the season. And while it may sound a lot reading off all those names, um, usually you'd have more... 300 hitters at this point of the season. So it's definitely going down. And uh, let's take uh, a look. Let me see if I can find it here on strikeouts among batters. Uh, strikeouts, strikeouts. 
Leaders. Oh, I'm not looking for. This is in here. So do 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 do. All right. Alright, so, it was interesting. So, Joey Gallo has struck out 65 times so far this season uh, for the Texas Rangers. 65 times already. He's a power hitter, yes, but that's a lot of strikeouts. So, the Rangers have played 47 games, and he has struck out. 65 times. That's almost, almost to a game. Um, almost to a game. It's, uh, well, it's 1 1.3, 1.4, almost one and a half times a game. 1.38, if we're being precise here. Um, so, yeah, that's a lot of strikeouts for him. And Matt Chapman of the A's comes behind him, 62 strikeouts. Eugenio Suarez of the Reds, 58. Javier Baez, 56. Dansby Swanson, 55. Brent, er, Nate Lowe on the Rangers, 54. Hoskins on the Phillies, 53. Goodrum of the Detroit Tigers, 53. Nick Solak of the Rangers, 52. Otani. Of the Angels actually has struck out 52 times. And Jorge Soler of the Royals has struck out 52 times. So it's interesting to see that the Rangers have three guys on the top 10 uh, players with strikeouts. And the Rangers are one of the teams that have been no hit twice. So I guess it makes sense from those stats. Um, but yeah, it, I, I don't know. Uh, is it... The defensive positioning play a big factor into this. It doesn't, to me, I don't think so because the, the shifts have been going on for a few years now and it hasn't been this insane as far as the no hitters go. Um, is it the analytics? Are pitchers really getting better? Are, are they not that much more powerful now than the hitters? Um, maybe this whole moving the mound back thing is something that needs to be done. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, I don't understand it. Anyway, I uh, just wanted to touch on that. Uh, if anybody has any kind of uh, feedback uh, regarding that, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the, the lack of hitting in the majors? I know some people are still finding all these no-hitters exciting. Um, I, myself, like I said, it's just kind of like, okay, they're, they're great. I love a, I love me a no hitter, but I don't want one on back to back days of the season all the time, and we have like three in one week, <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. Um, uh, no hitters are becoming more more uh, starting to happen more than like a cycle, and for a while they're a cycle. You know, nobody really cares about. Nobody really cycles go under the radar when they happen. For the most part. So, I don't know. Anyway, um, 
those are just some thoughts. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much going to be all for this episode. That's all I really wanted to talk about. Um, do you have any feedback? Go ahead and submit it. Go ahead and give me a call at that 916-237-7237 number. Uh, if chosen, you'll be featured on an upcoming episode of Jokestrap. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, I appreciate it. Have a good weekend, day, whatever it is of the year for you. And I will talk to you soon. All right.